If you remove the Holy Spirit from the church, it will morph into a social club or a religious institution. And that is today's Morning Moxie. Welcome to the Morning Moxie show. I am your host, Alicia Sharp. And today on the show, we have John Bevere. And John is actually going to be with us the next four days talking about the Holy Spirit. And in a lot of churches, the Holy Spirit is something that's almost taboo or something we just don't talk about because people don't understand. But the Holy Spirit is awesome. The Holy Spirit is our comforter, our friend. He's with us. He talks to us every day. And he's just there. And Jesus said, you know, that it would be better when he goes away, because the Holy Spirit ministers to everyone all the time. He can be everywhere all the time, and he's so amazing. So this teaching is very essential, very necessary for the church today, and I hope you enjoy it. Here's part one. And so as I read through the book of Acts, scripture started jumping up off the page. Literally, I mean just bam, as many times as I read through it. And all those scriptures had to do with the exact same thing. And that is how much the early church looked to, depended on, spoke about, and interacted with the Holy Spirit. He was a vital part of their lives. He was preeminent in everything they did. And the more I prayed and read, the more I realized what was really common among them seems to be more uncommon with us today. Let me just make this statement. There is virtually no Christianity without the Holy Spirit. You remove the Holy Spirit from Christianity, it very quickly turns into a very dry, monotonous, mundane religion. You remove the Holy Spirit from a church and it will morph quickly into either a social club or a religious institution. So the very, very crucial thing that we've got to do is understand him as a person. See, I find the mistake of most people, most Christians, is when you mention Holy Spirit or they begin to research, they immediately go to his manifestations rather than understanding him as a person. Are you with me? We got to settle it. Is he a person, the third person of the Godhead? Or is he just a powerful influence that emanates from the Father? Kind of like what we would say, the spirit of democracy or the spirit of generosity. Well, if you see the Holy Spirit as just a powerful influence, you'll make ridiculous statements such as, I'm a Holy Ghost person or I want more of the Holy Spirit. But if you understand him to be the third person of the Godhead, then you will not make statements like, I want more of the Holy Spirit. You'll make statements like, how can I give myself more to Him? You know, I think the problem really stems back to how we view Him. I've been in ministry now over 30 years. If I had one dollar for every time I've heard the Spirit of God referred to as an it, I would be one wealthy guy. But if you would just simply look at the scripture, you would realize that Romans 8, 27 says He has a mind of His own. He has a will, according to 1 Corinthians 12, 11. He has emotions. He comforts. He speaks. In fact, the Bible says he speaks clearly. He teaches. He can be grieved. He can be insulted, just like any person could be insulted. He can be resisted. He can be lied to. The problem really goes back 
to where we were raised in church. If, if some of you were raised in some kind of a church atmosphere with a Sunday school, how many of you remember, you know, every time you say the Holy Spirit, you just see this picture of a dove, okay? He is not a dove, okay? The Bible says in all four gospels that he descended upon Jesus like a dove. Now, you can have a guy that wins the state championship in weightlifting, and you can say he's strong like an ox, right? That doesn't make the guy a four-footed animal. It just means you're describing how strong he is. When it says in the Gospels, he descended upon Jesus like a dove, it's just saying the way he descended upon him. Are you with me? And so we have to understand he is a person and we actually were created in his image. And so the apostle Paul comes to the Corinthian church. He writes a couple letters telling them how to live effective Christian lives. It comes to the very end of the second letter. And the very last words he says to this church is in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now what he's doing here with this scripture is he's highlighting each of the persons of the Godhead's roles in our life. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. Now, I want to focus in on the final one. The communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. Now, I was raised Catholic. I was an altar boy for eight years. When you say communion to me, I think about those little wafers and the wine I snuck when the service was over, okay? That's communion. But if you look at the Greek word, the Greek word is koinonia. This Greek word has three major definitions. Number one, fellowship. So what Paul is writing is, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Now notice he doesn't say, may the fellowship of Jesus be with you. Why doesn't he say that? Because Jesus isn't here. I mean, he went, he's a few billion miles away at the throne of God. When he went up to heaven, the angel said, the way he went is the way he's coming back. He hadn't come back that way yet. I mean, when Stephen was stoned, the heavens were open. He saw Jesus at the right hand of the Father. The person of the Godhead who's here is the Holy Spirit. That's why he says, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Notice the next word is partnership. Now listen to these words. May the partnership, I love this, of the Holy Spirit be with you. And the final one is may you be intimate with the Holy Spirit. Now let's talk about each, each of these, all right? Number one, fellowship. The word fellowship how is it defined? Now, I want you to listen carefully. It means companionship or sharing together. Now, how many of you know companions share with one another? All right, I'm going to play golf this week with Pastor Rob. Wouldn't it be ridiculous if Pastor Rob and I were on a golf course for four hours and we didn't say anything to each other? I mean, Pastor Frank picked me up this morning at dark 30, okay? He was tired from the wedding last night. I was a little bit groggy-eyed from our late fun dinner last night, okay? But you know, as tired as we were, we still talked to one another on the way over. We talked about the services today, the football games that are gonna be going on. We talked about the wedding last night. So, and by the way, Denver will win. And come on, baby. Wow, I incited a riot. All right, so anyway. We're sitting here talking all the way over. Can you imagine if I got in the car and didn't say anything to him or he didn't say anything to me? Yet how many times do we get in the car, we'll drive all the way to Honolulu, 
20 minutes. And we don't say one word to the Holy Spirit. I mean, I personally think he is the most ignored person in the church. If you ever feel like people ignore you, just talk to him. He really understands. But you see, the early church, they were having interaction with him. They were having companionship with him. If you look at the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul said in Acts 20, 22 and 23, and now I am going to Jerusalem. Now look at this, drawn there irresistibly by the Holy Spirit. Notice he didn't say I'm being drawn there irresistibly by Jesus. He said drawn there irresistibly by the Holy Spirit, not knowing what awaits me except the Holy Spirit has told me in city after city. The jail and suffering await for me. And do you understand there is like interaction going on between Paul and the Holy Spirit in the hotel rooms in Athens, in Thessalonica, in Corinth, city after city. They're talking about it. If you look at Philip, Philip is an evangelist. And you know, an entire community gets saved in his ministry. And Philip is right in the middle of this meeting. And suddenly we read in Acts 8.26, now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Now, no translation does it say an angel appeared to Philip. Now I will tell you, there are other people that angels appeared to in the New Testament. Joseph, Mary, Zacharias, all right? Nowhere does it say an angel appeared to Philip. It said an angel spoke to him and said, go down to the desert. So Philip goes down to the desert and three, a few days later, he sees a royal Ethiopian chariot chariot and in Acts 8 29 it says then the spirit said to Philip go near and overtake this chariot now do you understand these guys knew the voice of the Holy Spirit so well they could differentiate his voice from the voice of an angel okay now that's real real weird to us but is it really that strange if I'm in a room and I'm talking to Pastor Carl and there's a couple dozen people in that room. And my wife Lisa's on the other side of the room talking to Pastor Kanani. And Lisa, let's say, says something kind of loud. I'm looking at Carl, I'm not even looking at Lisa. Lisa hadn't appeared to me, I can't even see her. And I'll go, there's my wife. Cause I know her voice so well. I could be in a grocery store, I hear her voice three aisles over. I say, there's my wife. You know, I got 30 employees in Colorado. I can call my office and I'll tell you exactly who it is that picks up that phone just by them saying John Bevere, or excuse me, Messenger International. I know exactly who it is. So why is it so strange to us that they could tell the difference between the Holy Spirit's voice and an angel's voice? Do you understand that when when Dr. Luke is writing this book of Acts, Philip looks at him and goes, wait, wait, wait. It wasn't the Holy Spirit who spoke to me in the city of Samaria. It It was an angel. But I knew it was the Holy Spirit who spoke to me when I was out in that desert and said, join the chariot. See, remember I said what was common to them seems uncommon to us? Are you with me? That was John Bevere, and you can find that entire talk on YouTube if you search under The Holy Spirit, an introduction by John Bevere. You can also find out more information about him at his website and also his wife, Lisa Bevere, at messengerinternational.org. And over there, they've got lots of different things to help build you up. John's written so many great books, and he's such a great teacher. He talks about how it really is and breaks down things so that people can really understand. So I hope you go over to Messenger International and check that out and get some of his courses and books and things like that, and I will see you again tomorrow. God bless. Thank you.